Welcome to the Pacific Keep Church Podcast. We believe everyone has a place in God's story. Whether you're listening to this podcast for the first time or the hundredth time, know that we're on a mission to find our place in God's story, to grow into His calling individually and collectively, and to share the love of Jesus with the world. On this podcast, you'll hear sermons, interviews, and other content from pastors and community leaders at our church in Spokane, Washington. If you've been blessed by this podcast, you can give to our mission at pacificheap.com forward slash give. Without further ado, here's this week's content. Uh, Thank you guys so much for sharing and for being here. The sound guys are going to hate me. I think I just broke their microphone. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm the pastor. I can break microphones, right? That means I'm preaching really well. So um, it's great to be with you. Um, I've missed a couple weeks in the pastor land. That's like an eternity. I had COVID. It was kind of interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think I'm a strong young man. And then God put me in bed. It was like the the worst week to get COVID as well. Because that week we had baptism service. So it was pretty busy. First time we're doing baptism in a long time. I had a wedding to do. Uh, we had supposed to have a wrap-up of our gospel fruits. We were going to have celebration and fun. And then I called Pastor Jack and I said, hey, you want a double workload this week? Because I can't move my basement for 10 days. So yippee, welcome to the to the world of pastoring. So, um, but I definitely felt your prayers. Uh, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for reaching out. Uh, to me. Uh, It's definitely not fun. And as a young guy, you know, my wife tells me I'm a big baby anyway when I get sick. So this was like baby times 10. I was like worse than my actual babies upstairs. Um, So, you know, it just gave me a different perspective. Number one, rely on God. It's not about you. And sometimes when you have a big plan in your life to do something, sometimes you end up lying in bed for 10 days playing video games. I mean, praying um, and just uh, worshiping God for everything that he's given to you. So, uh, don't take for granted uh, the loved ones around you. My my daughters kept coming to the downstairs where I was quarantined. We put up a baby fence, and they would stand there and be like, Daddy, we want to hug you. And I'm like, no, stay away. So they were crying like there's pictures. They're just weeping. And I'm like, I got to go finish my video games, kids. Sorry. Go to bed. Um, but it was it was definitely one of those things where God taught me a ton of lessons. And so, number one, you know, Pray. And also be compassionate. You know, wear those masks. I don't care if it helps prevent one person from getting it, especially if they're elderly and, and uh, weaker immune systems. It hit me pretty hard as, as a guy who's pretty young. So just let's have compassion for each other and pray for each other and get through this together. Um, my sermon today is going to be very short um, because we wanted to give more time to our guests. But I also wanted to read from the Word of God. And for us to end tonight on Scripture and some of the words and actions of Jesus. And so as we read the scriptures today, I'm going to start with a question and you can raise your hand. How many of you have ever read the scriptures like yourselves about Jesus and what he calls us to do? And you've sort of thought, man, that's a little bit difficult. Show hands. All right. Love your neighbors and your enemies. Turn the other cheek, right? Have compassion for people who hate you. Tolerate people. Don't just make it about yourself, right? Forgive, care about others. Have compassion. You look at the list and how Jesus talks about life that is worth living. And sometimes you look at it and you say, I don't think I'm, 
I'm qualified to do this, like what we heard today. Right? I don't know if I can go volunteer for the Jonah Project. I'm not sure if I can do this. This sounds really tough. In fact, it sounds like something only Jesus could do. But the reality is, Jesus never came to be a celebrity preacher. He never came to build a career for himself to preach for 50 years and to hold power. In fact, it is very striking that he spent three and a half years forming a community of people, cultivating a culture that then they would go out and spread the message and give it to others. It was a self-replicating system. Jesus was much more concerned about forming our hearts instead of just giving a speech. And I can only imagine as we're going through the Gospel of Mark, if you've read or followed for the last two uh, weeks or three weeks where we've gone through the first two chapters, the people that Jesus called to follow him, the people that we call, quote, disciples, they were witnesses to some epic stuff in the first two chapters of Mark. I mean, if you look at it, just a quick recap, Jesus heals those with unclean spirits by driving the demons out. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. He also healed the sick and the oppressed, and then he healed a leper and a paralytic. And as they're looking at all of this, they're probably thinking, wow, that's amazing. But this work is for Jesus. You see, he had already called them. He said, follow me to his disciples. And as they're looking and observing, they're probably going, we're just going to help him. We're going to be his assistants. This is his show. And we are here just sort of doing the opening of the door and being the sidekicks and, and helping him out. But then something crazy happened. You see, as they're following Jesus around, as they're seeing all of these miracles, then there's this transition that happens in the relationship that's a little bit crazy. We hear these words in Mark 3, verse 13. And he, Jesus, went up on the mountain, and he called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. Other gospel writers do a little bit different take on this story. They say Jesus went and he prayed on the mountain all night, and then after he prayed, he came down, and from all of the followers that he had, he selected the 12, the disciples, and, and the transition from the relationship went from something like, come follow me and observe to, now you've seen me do this for a while, now I want you to participate. Now I want to get your hands dirty in the work. Now I'm going to call you. This was the second calling, if you will. Imagine the first two chapters, we love the stories, right? Jesus is walking by the, by the Sea of Galilee and he calls, you know, all these people. Then the tax collectors were like, yeah, that's when he made his disciples. That was the first calling. This is the second calling. He's saying, I want you to come to me now and go into a deeper relationship with me. I don't want you to be a spectator your whole life. I need you to dig in. And here's the question that I have for us. Does our life sometimes feel a little bit mundane as Jesus followers? Do you ever go like, I've been following Jesus for a long time, but it just feels shallow. Maybe you feel like you're still sort of a baby Christian. I felt that way, just sort of going through the motions. And that first calling, that first love that we have was all about me, right? Like Jesus loves me and tolerates me, makes me feel good. And every time I'm depressed, I go to Jesus and he helps me. But then something happens. Jesus says, I've provided, I've given, but now I'm going to call you into something deeper something more. The next phase is Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to give you some homework. 
I need you to also get involved in this breaking in project, this new kingdom that's happening, because there's people that you can reach on my behalf where I can't be, but through my spirit, I'm going to give you the same strength that I have. And an exchange starts to take place. And this exchange is very expensive. Because the exchange is God moves us from consumption to contribution. And he moves us to exchange our comforts, our desires, our goals. They become secondary. And then his kingdoms, he becomes primary. It's just like what we heard today where the husband of this fantastic woman just couldn't look at this stuff. And he had to get involved. Have you ever had something in your life where like, I feel like God is calling me into something deeper to put aside my comfort and my video games tonight and do something more? with my life? Have you ever had that and said, it's too hard? Well, guess what? If you're a child of God, Jesus is going to keep coming at you in a very loving and graceful way because Jesus says that if you try to gain your life, you will lose your life. But if you lose your life for the kingdom, you will gain your life. And it is in this expensive exchange. And when I say expensive, it only looks expensive at the very beginning because we have to look at all of our stuff and say, really, I got to give up my goals for God? It feels expensive. But here's what happens during the transition. We die to ourselves, but reborn in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this process of death and resurrection happens over and over and over again. If you've been called by Jesus, but you feel like your life has sort of flattened spiritually, where you've hit a plateau, maybe today you have to wake up and I have to wake up and realize that Jesus doesn't call us one time. He calls us again and again and again. And this is our takeaway number one. Jesus calls us again to a deeper and more sacrificial relationship. And he doesn't call the qualified. I swear I didn't coordinate with these folks here. This is just was in my sermon notes. He qualifies those he calls. So start somewhere. I've talked to so many people and had a conversation recently. Like I was like, you know, I come home every day. I just smoke pot. I don't know what to do, uh, but I love Jesus. I'm like, bro, have you tried to fill that time with service instead of pot smoking? Maybe, maybe there's something. Yeah, I guess. A lot of times we are sold a counterfeit Jesus. Jesus is like my genie in a bottle. If you grew up watching Aladdin, he's here to give me my three wishes and then I'm happy. And Jesus says, come, follow me. Put aside this childhood sort of phase where you're just trying to get stuff from me. I'm calling you to something better. And what I love about this is after Jesus goes and prays, he selects the 12, and he says, here, come over here. And, and here's the crazy part. When, when we read these words that he went up on the mountain and he called to him those who, whom he desired, we're like, oh, he just, he just called them. But the actual word in the Greek there literally means he summoned them. Have you ever gotten a summons from court? Have you ever got a summons from uh, jury duty? Who's gotten jury duty summons, right? What is that? Can you just ignore that? Oh, <laughs> I mean, you can argue that you're flying to some other country, but that won't work right now because of COVID. Um, you can say, I don't want to do this, but you have to respond. And if you don't, you can get in trouble. So the Greek word here, he didn't just call him, he summoned them, meaning that it wasn't their choice to do all of this stuff. It was Jesus's choice on their behalf. And he's like, come here. You're going to go preach, and you're going to go cast out demons. And they're like, no, I don't, I don't think I'm qualified. He's like, I didn't ask you if you wanted to. 
Church, I know it sounds so anti-democratic because we're in America. If I want to follow you, Jesus, I will. He's like, no, 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 no. There is a kingdom and I'm the king. You're not. There is a process where you give up your rights. I won't force you. You can say pass on jury duty one time, two times, three times. But if the Holy Spirit loves you and you are his child, he will come at you. And he's patient and he's kind. But he's summoning you because he wants your life to actually grow into the version that he has for you. And here's what I love about Jesus. In John 15, he says this to his disciples during their last conversation before he gets crucified. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Jesus is more concerned about our fruitfulness than our happiness. About our love for him and neighbor than about our love for ourselves. And again, what's fascinating, and those of you who follow Jesus and you've made those little choices to follow him when even you don't feel like it, you've always come out on top. You've always come out and said, you know, that felt better. It felt better to serve others. And so after he summons these people, he appoints the 12. In Mark 3, 14 through 19, we have the whole list of names of the disciples. It says that he gave them this authority. He said, go out and preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12 so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. And as we conclude, here's the other cool twist. In the original language in the Greek, this word appointed them literally means he created them. It's the same word, appointed them, that's used in Genesis when we hear these words, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Created and appointed are the same thing. So number one, if Jesus is calling you and you feel inadequate, Jesus, I don't have the skills to preach. Jesus, I don't have the skills to cast out demons. Jesus, I don't have what it takes to volunteer at the Jonah Project. Jesus, I don't have what it takes to be a cup of cool water. Jesus, I don't have what it takes to show love and compassion for these people that irritate me. Jesus, I don't have what it takes. He says, yes, you don't, but I can create in you that which you don't have. I am summoning you and I am creating in you a new heart. The prayer of David after he sinned and fell in adultery and slept with a woman and he came to repent. He said, create in me a new heart, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. If you don't have what it takes, the good news is Jesus does have what it takes and he can give that to you. That is the good message of Jesus he is a demon cast out creator. He is a holiness creator. He is a creator of a new desire in your heart where instead of battling your sin, you will say no to your sin because you will fall in love with the works of Jesus more than yourself. There's a difference. There's a difference trying to fight temptation and loving something greater and the temptation falls away. There's a difference. And most of us have gone to churches where all we're taught is behavior modification and sin management, not a love for Jesus. And Jesus is saying, have a love for my world and my kingdom. And then all this other stuff falls away. So I just want to encourage you that Jesus already sees you as you will be at the end of time. Perfect and holy and clean and generous and compassionate and loving. He has seen the gifts that he has created in you. He has created good works for you to do before the creation of the world. They're just waiting for you to take advantage of them. And as a body, as believers, this is why we do things like micro church and smaller gatherings is we want to pray with you so you don't sit around and just go from service to service hiding in the midst that you actually realize that God loves you so much that he is creating something new in you. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 
Anyone who is in Christ is new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. Paul was writing to a church that was struggling with sexual temptation, with greed, with fighting and, and intolerance and hate and all of that. And yet to this group of people struggling, he writes, you already are new creation, so step into it. So church, I just want to say, if you feel like you've been called by Jesus, but that was 10 years ago and it's plateaued, remember Jesus is calling you again today and tomorrow and the next day. And this is the love, and actually it is the grace of God. Here's takeaway two. When Jesus calls, he equips. So we want to, as a church, help you find that, as we've been saying, find, grow, share. And we pray that you plug into stuff that we have going on, and you see what God is up to in your life, and you realize that it's not about your strength. It's about receiving that gift from God. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for your word uh, we thank you that you call us. In a way, you summon us. It sounds scary, but it's a good summons because we know that you are God creator. And God, the things that you ask us to do, we thank you that we are actually not required to have what it takes, that you create in us that what's what we need to do, what you called us to do, Lord. And in that, we find joy. In that, we find purpose. And in that, life becomes worth living. And so, we just want to ask that you move us as a body, as a church. We pray for all those people who are sick in our community with COVID who aren't here tonight, those people with kids who are at home as they uh, finish this week and as they tune in on Sunday and watch this. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you bless those people in our congregation as well. Help us live into this freedom and into the calling that you have for us. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Pacific Heap Church Podcast. If you've been blessed by our content, please consider leaving us a five-star review or follow along with us on our website at pacificheap.com.